A young single mother and her 22-year-old daughter go missing April 2019 after moving into a home with a man in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, just months after meeting him. Friends and family of 24-year-old Jasmine never got good vibes from this man, and Jasmine could not have met him at a more vulnerable time in her life. If we could only turn the clocks back. Welcome to Those Murder Girls Podcast. I am Raina, your host. Let's get started. Jasmine had separated from her daughter Aaliyah's father just about a month after Aaliyah's birth. And now that she was single, she hopped on some dating apps. So in her world, like, it was all good. She just wanted a little companionship and someone to spend time with. But it wasn't good because that's where she would meet Robert Leeming. The two hit it off after finding each other cute on this dating app. They had good conversation and eventually they met up and they had a lot of fun together. About a month into their relationship, Jasmine actually moved in with Robert, but it wasn't as his live-in girlfriend per se. She paid rent. It was more of a case of her needing somewhere to stay. Her current living situation wasn't working out anymore and Robert, he lived by himself. He owned a home in Calgary and he was accustomed to having roommates and right now he didn't have one so it was a perfect situation. So Jasmine moved in and everything was working out great. Robert, actually being a father himself, although he didn't see his son much, was happy to help Jasmine take care of baby Aaliyah. When Jasmine had to work or when she wanted to go out and run errands without the baby on her hip, Aaliyah always stayed with Robert. This was a breath of fresh air for Jasmine because she had somebody that she can count on. Being a mother of a toddler, a single mother of a toddler, can be exhausting. So to have that person that was always there to help, she totally appreciated. Robert was a heavy equipment mechanic who was originally from England. He had moved to Canada when he met another woman online a few years back. The two of them fell in love, but the problem was they lived in two different countries. Robert was in England and Sarah was in Canada. So Sarah, being really honest with Robert, let him know that she didn't want to pack her things and move to England, so he agreed to pack up his stuff and go to Canada so he can be with his love. They married in February of 2013, and they divorced in 2017, which resulted in a no-contact order between the two, which obviously is never a good thing, so you know that there was some stuff that definitely went down in that relationship. So during the relationship, Robert and Sarah, they went through highs and lows. Robert would blame Sarah for a lot of the things that went wrong in their relationship and things that had nothing to do with her and everything to do with his insecurities. He was a totally different person after they got married. He wasn't that fun-loving guy that she had met and fell in love with. Now he was abusive both physically and mentally. He was constantly belittling her and making her feel like she was the one with the problems when actuality it was all him. One of the most hurtful things that she recalls was when Robert went out of his way to tell Sarah how she had basically ruined his life by bringing their son into this world. Robert, you're a piece of shit. He would also say things to her like, I don't want our son. I don't want this life. I don't want our dog. I don't want any of it. And he eventually told her that he was done. Sarah, if you're listening, you're so much better without this guy. This is all coming from a guy who literally could not keep a job because he was a habitual thief. The couple obviously fought often and this was not the environment that Sarah had envisioned raising her son in or even being a part of herself. 
So being over Robert's excessive drinking, his smoking, and all of the abuse, she filed for divorce, anxious to get her and her son out of what she felt was harm's way, and a judge agreed with her, giving her full custody of their little boy. Robert's warm and welcoming demeanor and all of his willingness to help out Jasmine came to a halt when he started to describe himself as feeling trapped in all of these fatherly duties, all of the stuff that he had once volunteered to do. So the two of them went from roommates who were dating and had a good relationship to him totally treating her like crap. Not communicating with her, just being really, really short with her and not respecting her or the baby the way that he used to. Come to find out, Robert had downloaded all of those dating apps again and he was contacting girls and he was hooking up with them. So the entire dynamic of their living situation changed. Jasmine knew things were going on. She vented about it to her family and eventually she brought it up to Robert, letting him know that she was super uncomfortable with the way that he was treating her now. She was uncomfortable with the living situation and it just wasn't cool. Jasmine's family would reflect back on these conversations that Jasmine had with them when she didn't show up for an Easter celebration on April 19th, 2019. After countless unanswered telephone calls and text messages, Jasmine's family began to worry. Jasmine was not the type of person to be out of touch with her family. Her phone was just like mine and yours, always on her hip. So two full days goes by and Jasmine's mom was like, I have to go and see if I can track her down. So she gets to Robert's house, the one where Jasmine's running the room, and she's knocking on the door and there's no answer. Robert's not there. Jasmine's not there. It looks like they're home from the outside because like the baby's toys are outside, but there's no sounds coming from inside or anything. The next visit would come from the police three days later because Jasmine has now not been heard from in five days. When the police arrive, they're knocking on the door. There's no answer. They stood there for quite a while before leaving a note on the door and then going back to their cars to sit and wait. This was now an active missing persons investigation, so they didn't have the option to leave and come back to check in later. So as the sun began to set, they noticed that there's lights inside the house that are turning off and on throughout all of the rooms. So police go back to the door and they're pounding on it and there's no answer. They don't stop. Finally, Robert comes to the door and he is a complete mess. Police automatically let him know like why they're there and they want to know where Jasmine is. And Robert's like, uh, she's at her mom's house. I haven't seen her in like three days. And they're like, no, she's not at her mom's house because her mom and her family are the ones that reported her missing. And Robert's like, okay, well, I don't, you know, I haven't seen her. The last time I seen her was days ago when the three of us went picnicking at a spot called Bragg Creek. So just to paint a picture here, the police are standing in Robert's living room. Robert's sitting on the couch and he's like completely out of it. He is slurring. He's stuttering. He's contradicting himself. Police are asking him like, where's Jasmine? Robert cannot give them like a straight answer because he's so hammered and high. Like I literally wanted to reach through that body cam footage and like smack the words like right out of his mouth. I'm like, come on, bro, like sober up. You're in a house. It's full of cops. Like tell them what you know. So Robert goes on to tell them about this picnic and he said that 
The three of them went on a picnic, Robert, Jasmine, and Aaliyah, and they came back home, and after that, Robert had went on a date with another woman. And he says when he got back home, Jasmine and Aaliyah were gone, and he hadn't seen them since. So Robert tells them, you know, I wasn't worried because she was supposed to go spend Easter with her family, and we had gotten in an argument before she left where she was, like, threatening to move out. So I wasn't really worried or trying to contact her because I knew that she was upset with me. Robert continued to, like, not really make any sense. Like, all of it didn't come out that clear. And the police are getting super annoyed. They're not believing what he's saying. They're not liking his body language, the way that he's, like, contradicting himself. So they they do a sweep of the house. And then they're like, okay, we're, you know. To themselves, like, we're just going to come back with a warrant. And they do that the next day. So when they get back, Robert doesn't exactly give them any reason to believe that he is innocent. They go to the front door where they try to gain entry, and it's barricaded. They don't know this until they go around the back, make their way in, and... They go to the front door and there's this crazy metal pole contraption that's extending from his front door that lines up with his staircase. I posted photos on Facebook and Instagram, so check it out. But it's like, why are you barricading your front door if you don't want the cops to think that you're guilty? Because that says guilt, you know, written all over it. And it's super weird. So things begin to get progressively more strange once the cops like make their way into the house and start looking around. They find multiple strips of raw bacon like strategically placed all around the house. There's bacon downstairs in the furnace room. There's bacon placed on chairs. There's like all these strips of bacon just like in all these different rooms, which I posted pictures on social media of that too. So police were like baffled by it. My first thought was he was trying to insult the cops like bacon pig. But no, that was not the case. And I will get into the reason for the bacon in just a little bit. So cops finally found what they were looking for once they gained entry to Robert's master bedroom. But that didn't come before they found something strange on the door, which I didn't really think it was strange because he always has roommates. So I kind of see that there might be a need for it. He had a smart lock on the door, like one of the ones you would have on your front door with like a keypad or where you can like use your fingerprint. And just knowing that he always has roommates, I don't find any reason to not keep your stuff secure, but the cops didn't see it that way. So whatever. So when they get into Robert's room, they find a collection of knives, more than 60 of them, because Robert had started collecting knives when he was about seven years old, which is really strange. And yes, his parents knew and they allowed it. They found his collection of guns and all of his electronics, laptops, phones, whatever. So they confiscate a lot of it into evidence. And they also confiscate Robert. They arrested him and he would end up spending a full day in jail before they would have to release him because they didn't find anything incriminating or anything linking him to either disappearance inside of his house. The next day, cops did not release him and allow him to go home. They dropped him off in like this town center where Robert spent most of the day drinking at a local pub. And once a journalist found out that he had been released and they found him in this shopping center, they had a field day with him. Remember, he had been inside of a bar like drinking all day. So I guess they had tried to get him to answer questions and do an interview with them for quite a while, but he was refusing. And then he got just wasted enough 
And he ended up coming around, letting them know like, hey, sure, I'll do your interview, which I'm sure he totally regretted once he sobered up. So on camera, he's acting super weird. Like he's laughing really erratically. He's breathing weird. He's stuttering. It's just, it's really strange. So he gives the journalists what they want. He's talking about like him and Jasmine's relationship and their living arrangement. Nothing was really compelling besides the fact that he was just a total train wreck. Oh, and one thing is that during this interview, the entire time he's referring to Jasmine in the past tense. He's saying, we dated in the beginning, but not towards the end. And he says, she was a good person. She was a lovely person. And yes, we were friends. So right there, there's a whole bunch of red flags. Robert was able to go home that night while the police remained baffled as to where Jasmine and Aaliyah were. Child Protective Services would jump into the investigation and they would put together a little sting operation of their own. They staged two undercover police who they would stage as just normal citizens of the community. And they were to go out, find Robert, and befriend him. And just like that, Operation Highwood was in full effect. So the two cops go out, you know, in normal clothing, and they're playing the role of two guys who just hate authorities. They find Robert walking out of a liquor store, and they approach him, and they're kind of acting, you know, kind of, I don't know, maybe like drunk or just kind of like rowdy. And they're like, hey, you're Robert. You're the guy that we keep seeing on the news. And they kind of act like they're like a little starstruck, for lack of a better word. Like they want to talk to him and like get to know him and hang out. Well, Robert must have been a lonely mofo because he takes to the bait and he actually invites the two undercovers back to wherever he worked. I don't know if they went back and drank like in an office setting or like in a warehouse setting, but they went back to his job and they sat and they drank and they talked for hours. Robert would end up confessing to these two guys, but not before having doubts of his own. So he had doubts. He even questioned them and he's like, I don't know, like, are you guys cops? And they're like, no, we're not cops. And he's like, well, if you were cops, like, legally, would you have to be honest about it if I asked you? And the two were like, dude, like, no, we're not cops. Like, stop asking. So side note, legally, they did not have to disclose that they were law enforcement, even though he asked them directly. So after a while, the conversation's going on, and one of the officers asks Robert, like, hey, what happened? Why did you hurt these two people? What did she do to anger you? So Robert tells the undercovers, like, Jasmine wanted too much. She wanted me. She wanted to get married. And that's not what I was about. And that Jasmine had found out that Robert was seeing somebody else while she still lived in the house. So this conversation goes on for like five hours and in it, Robert confesses to killing Jasmine, but he says that he did not kill the baby and he stuck to that story to this day. Robert would eventually lead the undercovers to the bodies because the undercovers had told him, you know, if you hurt her, if you killed them, take us to the bodies, we'll help you get rid of the bodies forever and you'll never get caught. They were totally acting like they had this guy's back who they only knew for a few hours and Robert totally fell for it. He drove them out 90 miles away from Calgary to an area known as Grizzly Creek. And there they were lying on the ground under sticks and dirt wrapped in a blue blanket. The bodies of Jasmine and baby Aaliyah. Once Robert was arrested, he finally admitted to the details of the murder. 
Jasmine and Aaliyah had spent the day together, and later on that evening, Robert was watching over the baby while Jasmine was out. Robert says that he went looking for the baby because he didn't hear her and that she had fell down some stairs. She was hurt, but she was fine. He says he wasn't too worried. He got her ready for bed and he laid her down. Well, later, Jasmine got home. She hung out for a little while with Robert and then she went up to check on the baby before she was going to bed herself and she noticed that baby Aaliyah wasn't breathing. Jasmine immediately came after Robert, I mean understandably, screaming at him, accusing him of killing her only child. She was distraught, as you can imagine, and Robert said the two of them were just going back and forth. Jasmine was just beside herself. He was screaming and yelling. She was screaming and crying, and he just couldn't take it. He said he couldn't take it. He freaked out. He snapped. So at one point, I don't know if Jasmine, you know, turned away from him or if he went up behind her, but he grabbed a hammer from the kitchen table and he smacked her in the back of the head with it when she wasn't looking. I cannot even handle it. So Jasmine laid on the floor. She was badly injured, but she was alive. So Robert says at this time, he just wanted it to be over. He sees Jasmine. She's in pain. There's blood everywhere. But instead for calling for help, he pulls out a rifle and he shoots her once in the head. Robert says in that moment it was the only thing he could think of doing because it was quick. And he didn't want to see her suffer. Whatever. If he didn't want to see her suffer, you would have never put your hands on her. So now Jasmine and baby Aaliyah are both gone. And again, instead of calling for help, Robert wraps them up in a blue blanket and the two will stay overnight inside of Robert's house. Unlucky for Robert, he was caught on multiple surveillance cameras after the murders and a lot of the video was able to be used against him during the trial and point authorities in the direction of evidence. Robert was always the authorities' only suspect, prime suspect, so all of this footage was like nails in his coffin. When the bodies of Jasmine and baby Aaliyah were found, they were doused in gasoline and a gas station surveillance camera caught Robert filling up a gas can. That gas was used to pour on their bodies. He was caught discarding multiple trash bags that later contained evidence that was used against him in court. And he was caught going through a car wash trying to wash away evidence. You can't wash away murder, sir. He ended up pleading guilty to killing Jasmine, but maintained his innocence on killing Aaliyah. Both of those were second-degree murder charges. A medical examiner had testified that Aaliyah had suffered from multiple distinct head injuries. He says that she would have lost consciousness, suffered seizures, and would have been gasping for air in her last moments of life. Some experts say that these injuries could have been a result from that fall that Robert claims happened, and others say absolutely not. Robert inflicted these injuries on her. He intentionally murdered her. This guy's a total piece of shit. Like, from childhood, I have to give you a trigger warning. His family should have seen something like this coming because he killed animals as a child. As an adult, when he was married to Sarah, he took their family dog out into the woods, tied him to a tree, and left him there to die. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you, Robert? During his court hearing for the second-degree murder charges, he was displaying some super bizarre behavior. When is he not? But he was actually falling asleep during the trial and during these court appearances. 
everybody was so like struck by it and so uncomfortable they actually stopped the court session and took a recess so robert can like compose himself and wake up i say we take a hammer to the back of his head to wake him up let me know what you guys think in the comments in January, Robert was convicted of two counts of second-degree murder, which are an automatic life sentence with no chance of parole for 10 to 25 years. His sentencing, though, will come at a later date. Robert testified in his own defense during his trial, saying that he always treated baby Aaliyah as if she was his own and that he would never hurt her. So while he's saying all of this BS, he's crying, he has these big crocodile tears, and more strange behavior, he's hiccuping all through this. So that must be like a nervous tick of his or something he does when he's bullface lying. So it's like, guy, just get out of here. Oh, and you guys, the reason for the bacon, he admitted that he had placed bacon all around his house in an effort to throw off the cadaver dogs because I guess bacon and cadavers kind of like throw off the same smell. I don't know. I didn't research it as thoroughly as Robert, but that's what they were saying. Robert also admitted that he was trying to cover up both of the murders. He said that he was trying to stuff Jasmine's body into a bag and he was talking about trying to clean up all the blood with rolls of paper towels that he had at his house. He said that he rolled up both of the bodies in the blanket so nobody would notice them and that he transported them inside the trunk of his car. I feel like he's really giving a lot of information and I feel like it kind of all ties together. So it really does make me second guess whether or not Aaliyah's death was intentional. I don't know. Like, like, I think he's crazy. I think he's capable of it. But the fact that there's professionals on both sides of this, on the defense and on the prosecution that are saying, you know, 100% Robert killed her or 100% her injuries could have been sustained in that fall. I just don't know why he wouldn't admit to killing her when he's admitting to everything else. Like, I want to know what you guys think. Go to Facebook or Instagram and drop a comment. I can be found at Those Murder Girls Podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I will see you back here next Friday with a brand new episode. Bye, guys.